dribble it before he hands it off to Wigginton. Wigginton right oh. back to Thanasis, who takes flight with a big two-hand slam. Recap everything you need to know about this game right now. As the final horn sounds, we are done with the regular season here in 2022. On to the playoffs. Now, here's your host, your analyst, and your MC for the evening. Make some noise! Justin Garcia. I'm just going to let the music play. There's not a whole lot to add to uh, to this performance tonight as this is the most difficult loss of the season. This is a brutal loss. This is probably the worst loss this team has suffered this season. You have uh, been kind of in a hole here. You were down two of your best players. You got an incredible performance from your two-time MVP. And you're playing a team you're better than. At a stretch in your schedule where you need to start picking up wins. And somehow you let this one slip away. 855-616-1620, the number to join us tonight on uh, Bucks Talk. And I'm sure, um, I'm sure the conversation we had last night on Bucks Weekly is uh, only going to intensify after this performance tonight about trades and uh, who's going to be uh, coming and going, what the Bucks need to do. It's clear they're in a, uh, I don't think you can even call it a rut. This has been bad. This is as bad as we have seen them play since the title year when they were on that five-game losing streak in February. It may even be worse than that since the run in the bubble. But something has been off with this team. And look, it's December. It is still early in the season. It is still too early to panic. But we had the conversation on the pregame show about what did this road trip teach you? What did you learn about the Bucks in this road trip? And I'd be curious to hear what the audience has to say about that and how they would answer that now that the road trip is complete. Uh, Dave Kane, his answer was, they're not quite to the level we need them to be yet. I said, it, you kind of learned they were a work in progress. And... We had had that conversation, been saying that since the beginning of the year of this team's not fully there yet, right? It's going to be a work in progress until Chris Middleton's back, until you get to see Joe Ingles. And you still are playing without Chris. So there's still some moving pieces here. I'm not going to call them warning signs, but there are some signs that have popped up that you need to correct here. Uh, The main sign there is finding some consistent scoring alongside Giannis. But turnovers have been a major problem area for this team on the road trip, really, for most of this season. You continue to see really, really poor entry passes, lazy passes, bad passes. 
passing the ball in traffic. And for as much at halftime that I mentioned, look, the Bucs have done a much better job with turnovers. Hasn't been the issue it's been recently where the opponent is getting close to 20 turnovers that they're forcing and turn those into 20 points. Bucks have done a good job of limiting that. They're just not hitting threes in this game. The wheels totally fell off in the final five minutes of this game. And ironically enough, it's a turnover that may have sealed the game. And if we go back to the final, uh, what, 15 seconds of this game, it, it, it felt like you never had a chance to be comfortable down the stretch here. You were up, and we'll get to this when we get to the turning point, but I think everybody knows what the turning point of the game was. Giannis has what we think is going to be an and one. Just under five minutes left. He hits the free throw. It's a 14-point game. If he hits the free throw, it's a 14-point game. Billy Donovan challenges it. Um, the fact of the matter is the Bulls outplayed the Bucks in the final few minutes of this game. But I still, for the life of me, do not understand how that blocking foul on DeMar DeRozan was overturned and ruled a charge because it's clearly moving as the contact is created and, and kind of shifting his body. But nonetheless, that opened the door for the Bulls, and they took advantage and outplayed the Bucks. thoroughly outplayed the Bucks in the final five minutes of this game. So instead of being up potentially 102-88, to 88, it's reversed back to 99-88 to 88, an 11-point game, then DeMar DeRozan scores, and it's down to nine. So right there, you got a five-point swing. And then Zach Levine, after a Wesley Matthews missed three, Zach Levine hits a three, and it's down to six. And that's when you started to get those butterflies in your stomach and think, oh, this is kind of how it went the first time these two teams played. Grayson Allen would hit a big three. Put you back up to double figures, and you started to feel really good there. But then the Bulls just started to take over. Zach Levine, three. A couple of Zach Levine free throws. Some Nikola Vucevic free throws. A Patrick Williams jumper. DeMar DeRozan makes it a two-point game. And that brings us to the final 10 seconds or so of this game. If you go back and watch those two inbounds passes, the Bucs just never really looked comfortable. And it, it almost seemed as though there wasn't an awareness of the game situation because the Bucs were adamant they were getting the ball into Grayson Allen. Now, you can understand why you would want Grayson Allen at the free throw line. He is your best free throw shooter. He is, by percentage, the best free throw shooter in the NBA. But the Bulls were not in the penalty yet. And that kind of set the trap for the next inbound. So you get the ball in Grayson Allen. You're able to burn off a couple of seconds. But the ball's not in the penalty, so you got to do it again. And again, on that first inbound, it was solely getting it to Grayson Allen. You had George Hill going to the backcourt, a chance to get him the ball there, burn off some more time. But the Bucks were intent on getting it to Grayson Allen. We saw the same thing on the ensuing inbounds. And that's what led to some trouble because it, it, you go back and rewatch that, and I know it was getting close, and you can see Bill Kennedy with his arm out 
doing the countdown. I believe they were at four seconds when Giannis got it in or attempted to get it in to Grayson Allen. But you had Pat Connaughton starting to streak free. Down the sideline there, you could have got it into Pat Connaughton, burned off a little more time, and Pat Connaughton's a pretty good free-throw shooter. You've just got to get the ball in and force the Bulls to foul you. If you hit one free throw, you can't lose on a single possession, assuming you don't foul. But you cannot do what the Bucks did. And for as much as we say, hey, they cleaned up the turnovers, it, it doesn't matter if the Bucks only had one turnover in the game. If that's your only turnover, you didn't clean up the turnovers. This, as we said, is as bad as we have seen them in a couple of years. And look, Giannis did everything tonight, and Giannis had to do everything. You didn't have Drew Holiday. You didn't have Chris Middleton once again. We haven't seen Chris Middleton in a couple of weeks now. But you got a big game from Bobby Portis. And a lot is going to be made out of Grayson Allen's performance tonight, and it was not good. And I I, I wouldn't say I've been the captain of the Grayson Allen uh, fan club, But we have, on this show, said, look, I I think Grayson Allen is better than he gets credit for. And I think Grayson Allen uh, is... I don't think we have the full appreciation that we should for Grayson Allen. Tonight's not the game I would present to really back up my case for that. And, And just as I said last year, here's the hill I'm willing to die on. Grayson Allen looks different in that playoff series against the Celtics if Chris Middleton is playing. This all comes back to Chris Middleton. Grayson Allen, this season looks different if you have Chris Middleton. Bobby Portis shooting below 30% on threes this year. Bobby Portis looks different if Chris Middleton is on the floor because the absence of him, the absence of of Drew Holiday for a couple of stretches this season, and everybody else that the Bucs have seemingly been playing without except Giannis, Brooke Lopez, and up until recently, George Hill, It's just changed what you're asking of everybody else down the line except for Giannis. It has been the butterfly effect for the Bucs this season. With no Chris, Grayson Allen's not in the role he was last year, where it's just basically open threes, catch and shoot. And look, he had open threes, he had open looks tonight, he didn't hit them. But season as a whole, compare last year to this year. Grayson Allen's taking fewer shots and taking fewer threes out of necessity this year. You need another ball handler You need another facilitator. You need somebody to set things up. Chris Middleton did that. I know he was a scorer, but Chris took on some of that. With no Chris, with no Drew, somebody else has to step up and do that. Bobby Portis' role has changed. Bobby Portis not doing quite as much catch and shoot either. So all of this has had a trickle-down effect, and it seems to have come at the time when nobody on this team is hitting any shots. That has led to this perfect storm of just how poorly this offense has looked, and I'm not even going to look up where they're at. Because it is brutal. Offensive rating has not been good this season. We told you it wouldn't be until this team was healthy. It's going to be around league average probably. But their half-court offense has been an absolute mess. And that's not going to turn around until this team gets healthy and gets more pieces in place. This doesn't tell you, man, the Bucks need to go out and make a move. But this does, I'm not going to say shatter your confidence, but it does put your confidence a step back of, well, is there more to it than health? 
I understand guys have bad games, and I understand you're going to have stretches where you miss shots. But the Bucs have had a lot of those stretches. This is the sixth time in that 10-game stretch, that pivotal 10-game stretch we pointed to and said, this is important. I expect them to go 6-4. and four. Be great if they go 7-3 and three or better. Well, the Bucs went 4-6 and six in this stretch, and this is the sixth time in those 10 games that the Bucs shot 35% or lower on threes. 855-616-1620 is the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk, whether you're listening on WTMJ or ESPN Milwaukee. This five-game road trip, longest of the season for the Bucs, a lot of difficult opponents on that. This five-game road trip taught you what about this Bucks team? 855-616-1620. I gave you my answer. We'll hear yours after this on Bucks Talk. Stop. I don't know what it is about Pat Connaughton's face. Well, it came at a better time when we thought the Bucks were going to win this game a handful of times that they had a double-digit lead in this one, 15.4th quarter lead. You cannot lose this game. I don't care if there's no Drew, no Chris. You cannot lose this game. This is a bad Bulls team. And you've looked bad for not even this road trip. You've looked okay for really the last month of the season. But this road trip, you've looked bad. You were embarrassed by the Grizzlies. You were basically embarrassed by the Nets. You played really bad for 45 minutes against the Cavs, and you were embarrassed by the Boston Celtics. Some really, really bad losses on this road trip. You needed to just end this and win this game, go into the homestand, go into this stretch of games that we talked about on Bucks shoot-around that is against inferior competition. And look, right now that's the takeaway. Is this team beat up on really bad teams early? They needed to. And they've essentially been a 500 team since then. So we asked, you know, Dave and I, Dave Kane and I talked about this in the pregame show. What did you learn about the Bucks during this road trip? And now that all five games are in the books and the Bucks go one and four, what did you learn about this team on this five-game road trip? 855-616-1620, the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. Let's head to the phone lines and uh, talk with John on the east side. You kick things off on the show. Hey, Justin, how are you? Good. You know, the the thing for me is, you know, I, I know that it's December and, you know, everyone says that, you know, we didn't have Chris, we don't have Chris and we didn't have Drew but, or whatnot. But the thing that kind of bugs me and concerns me is that over the last 25 games is that they are only game above 500. And, you know, and, and like you said, the first nine games, it was great to start off that way. But, you know, let's be honest, and we all love the Bucks. Let's be honest, they weren't playing the top competition and, you know, and in this stretch on the road trip going up against teams that we're going to have to fight for if we want to make the finals again, it just proved that, you know, I personally think that there are some pieces that we have on the bench that that need to be upgraded. Um, you know, I, I, I like Wes, and, you know, I like I like George, and 
you know, I think that they're, you know, they're, they're great for Milwaukee, just the fact that they like Milwaukee, but let's be honest, those guys, you know, they're, they're on the other side of, of being an older player. And when you need to stop guys like Tatum and Brown and, you know, Durant and, uh, you know, maybe even Garland, when you're looking at Cleveland, you know, they just, they don't offer you anything except for maybe a couple uh, stents on the floor of some hard defensive minutes. But when you need a bucket, they're not guys that are going to, that are going to do it. And I think that, you know, to rely on Drew to come back and Chris to come back. And, you know, I, you know what this road trip has proved to me is that they're asking Drew to do an awful lot. And when you get down to the fourth quarter, you know, last half of the fourth quarter, you can tell that he's just, I don't want to say drained, but he's exerted so much effort that to have him try to, you know, then take over offensively to make up for the points that they're not getting from other guys that aren't hitting shots, that they need to, you know, maybe try to tweak and get a piece that can fill – sort of the, the P.J. Tucker role back in the championship season, and they need to go and get a, a guy that can create their own shot and can get a bucket when you need one because, you know, Pat and Grayson and George and, and, and West, they can't do that. You know, they have to be wide open to score, but they can't create their own shot. We need a bucket, and they need to, you know, to do something on the bench before, you know, I'm not going to say before it gets ugly, but they need to do something on the bench so they can start to mold and gel before we get to the playoffs. I mean, I, I don't disagree with that, and I think it, it it shines a light even more on the importance of Chris Middleton and having him back and healthy because, to your point, I think it's it's very easy to lose how much goes into the defense. Like We know Drew Holiday is, is a terrific defender, but you, you kind of take that for granted and don't realize, well... There's only so much in the reserve. If if you're using up that much defensively, there's not a lot left offensively. And we've seen some rough offensive games from Drew Holiday that I think are attributed to that. So it's it's kind of shined a light on, man, you really need yeah. Chris to be that number two scorer and to be out there consistently. But, you know, we've had this same conversation for years now. And you need somebody to hit shots. And, and no matter how much retooling, the Bucks have done and how much tinkering they've done with that second unit and bringing in shooters. I mean, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful manner. Who's the best shooter that Giannis has played with throughout his career? Because I think we've seen a lot of guys that can hit shots, but I wouldn't classify them as great shooters. I guess by default, you would Probably say Brent Forbes. Well, that he had the best performance. Sure. I guess by default, you'd say Kyle Korver, but he wasn't at that level when he was here with the Bucks. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, you know, it's obviously, you know, you're talking about the thing with Drew. The thing that really struck me was watching the Boston game and watching him start off and then the Jalen Brown. And then I think he was matched up on maybe Horford a couple times, you know, and then he was going out and guarding Derek White. I'm like, they're just asking him to do way too much. And I think we just have to really be careful and thinking that we're going to get the Chris of the pre-injury back because it, it, it has to be concerning the fact of what's going on right now with him. And I know that the Bucks are one of the teams that, you know, make sure that a guy is 150% before they come back. But, you know, he is coming off an injury that, you know, took him out of the playoffs and then had the wrist injury. And now we're going through this. Like it, it, we just can't assume that he's going to come back and be the same Chris. So obviously, you know, I don't think that we need to do, you know, get rid of five or six guys and bring in, two guys or whatever, but I think there are a couple spots and I think it's the wing spot that they have to look and see what they can do about getting a little bit younger and then hoping that, you know, obviously Pat's going to stick around and hoping that guys are going to hit shots when you need it. But again, 
you know, the fact that we don't know what, what Chris is going to be like, there's got to be another shot creator, you know, playmaker that's out there, you know, that we can get that, you know, that we can rely on when Drew needs a break or when Giannis comes out of the game or if Chris happens to have issues that are going to nag him or injuries that are going to nag him the entire year. Yeah, and uh, thanks for the call, John. I'll, I'll say this. Um, I am not um, uh, giving away too much here. I'm not worried about Chris. I'm not. I'm certainly not in the camp of well, we we need to start thinking about life after Chris. I, I'm nowhere near that level, and I understand the reason for concern out there of he missed what the first 25 games of the season. We didn't really have a clear timeline on when he would be back. He missed that much time. And um, now he's already out again with knee soreness. Uh, I'm not concerned. And in those games, we did see Chris. It wasn't every single game, but overall, I think Chris looked pretty good. His first game back, he looked really good against the Lakers. It was vintage Chris Middleton. I'm not there where it's, well, what version of Chris Middleton are we going to get? I think we know the version that we're going to get. But to John's point about Drew Holiday, you know, you've asked Drew Holiday to be your number two offensive guy this year. And I think what we've seen is Drew Holiday is your number three offensive guy. Chris Middleton is your number two. Drew Holiday can give you these performances where he has a 30-point game and where he starts to heat up. He's not your second best offensive player. And a lot of that is because of what you ask of him defensively and what that takes away from the offense. I mean, as much as 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 we Bucks fans hate him, Marcus Smart's a really good defender, right? We'll agree there. And yes, the Celtics have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. But even before that duo became what they are this year, which is incredible, Marcus Smart wasn't your second best offensive player. You weren't asking Marcus Smart to be your second leading scorer. You were asking Marcus Smart to hit the open shot, to occasionally give you offense, and to be the guy that defends. And that's really the role you need for Drew, but you can't do it. You haven't had the luxury of doing it this year because Chris hasn't been out there. Pat has missed a decent amount of time. Joe has missed most of the season. Guy after guy after guy. Bobby Portis has been struggling with his outside shot. Grayson Allen has not looked the same shooting the ball. This offense has just kind of fallen by the wayside, so because of that, you've had to, had to, have Drew Holiday step up and take on more offensively. And again, it's December. We have seen this team go through stretches like this. It's been two years since they've looked this bad for this much of a stretch. But we've seen this team do this. We should not be panicked. But this is a bad loss. You can criticize what you saw and say, you can't have losses like this. But it doesn't mean the season's over, and we have to worry about where the Bucks going to finish in the standings. It's the first time since October 21st, over two months. That was day number, what, four of the regular season? First time since October 21 that the Bucks are lower than second place in the Eastern Conference. The Brooklyn Nets, 10 straight wins, and now all of a sudden the Brooklyn Nets have moved into second place in the East. The Bucks are in third. And the Cavs are just a half game back of the Bucks. The Sixers are a game and a half back of the Bucks. 
you're going to see one through five bunched up like that. And I think it's imperative, and I think this is kind of the mindset the team has had too, despite what we've seen here in these last few games. I think it's imperative you finish second. Last couple of years, we've said, well, it doesn't really matter where you finish. I think last year was kind of the, yeah, it does. You want home court advantage in that second round series. Think about this. Your opponent in that second round is going to be the Cavs or the Nets or the Sixers. If you finish fourth, your opponent in the second round is probably going to be the Celtics, and you're not going to have home court for that series. You're probably not going to have home court for the conference finals if you get past them. So I think it's imperative you finish second. Still just a half game out. It's December. And here's the other thing. We got a few texts coming in as as we asked. What did you learn about the Bucs during this five-game road trip? We'll get to some of the responses we're seeing, but here's the other thing. Other teams are going through this too. I understand the sky is falling and it's doom and gloom because this is the team we watch on a nightly basis, looking as poor as they have on this road trip, and really since the 9-0 start, they've been okay. But the Bucs aren't the only team that's playing like this. 855-616-1620, the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk how the rest of the Eastern Conference has looked and uh, what you've learned about the Bucks on this five-game road trip. We'll get to some of those responses next on Bucks Talk. The Hardwood homilies continue after this. You're listening to Bucks Talk. Bucks uh, fall to the Bulls, the most frustrating loss of the season. 119-113 in overtime. They led by 15 in the fourth quarter, and they managed to lose the game. I asked, uh, what did you learn about the Bucks during this road trip? We don't have strong guards that can guard. They don't make enough threes to balance out their lack of defense. That's from Phil and Fox Point. Um Nobody on this team is making threes right now. And when you got Grayson Allen going three of 14, you're going to be in trouble. Javon Carter was the guy that had it tonight. One of one. Bobby Portis wasn't bad either. Three of seven. Bobby went, what, three or four games without hitting a three. So that was nice to see. And Bobby hit a big three late that kept you on life support before the Bulls pulled the plug. But Pat Connaughton was shooting better than 50% on threes for the last five games. Right in the garbage. 0 of 3. Brooke Lopez, 0 of 4. Grayson, 3 of 14. Wes, 1 of 4. George Hill, 0 of 4. Joe Ingles, 1 of 4. Shot not there yet for Joe. It is tough to look at this, though, and see the struggles offensively, Look, there's certain matchups that work for Wesley Matthews, and there's certain matchups that just don't. But games like tonight, when literally no one on this floor wearing a Bucks uniform is knocking down shots from the outside, Giannis is knocking down shots, but no one else is knocking down any shots, it is really tough to justify Marjan Bochamp getting two minutes. It's really tough to justify some of the other guys getting DNPs. If nobody's going to hit shots, let's empty it. Let's empty the bag. 
Let's throw a kitchen sink out there and say, okay, we're going with anybody that can hit shots. We're going to give you two minutes. We'll see if you can hit a shot. If you can, you'll stay out there. That's one of the more perplexing parts. Is I get, we've talked about it on this show, it's going to be tough to crack the rotational minutes for young guys. It has been traditionally under Bud. Yeah, but Dante DiVincenzo, first off the bench. We've already had that conversation. Especially for how shorthanded they were tonight. The Dante DiVincenzo thing, he was seasoned, right? Played for Jay Wright. Jay Wright gets you ready for the NBA. Won a national championship. Had a breakout role in that tournament. You can't really compare him to, to Marjan Bochamp coming from G League. Ignite. And, oh, by the way, you need a Dante. You didn't have a whole lot of depth in the backcourt his rookie season. They got a lot of depth around Marjan. But at this point, every time you throw him out there, he makes an impact. How big that impact is, it varies game to game, but he's been impactful. So for him to get two minutes tonight, that's, those are tough optics. When you get one of four from Joe, oh of four from George, one of four from Wes. Javon Carter plays 25 minutes. I mean, that's the other tough sell. Pat Connaughton, 21 minutes. And two minutes from Marjan Bochamp. Uh, these past games have showed me the Bucks are not as deep as we had hoped. Comes from another texter. I mean, yes and no, probably. Look. The fact that we have this conversation year after year of, well, I don't know why the Bucs just can't hit shots. At some point, you are who you are. We have this, this discussion every year in the playoffs, it seems. Like, why are the Bucs shooting 30% from three? Well, it's kind of an annual tradition. The Bucs in the playoffs missed shots. It's a, tradi- a tradition unlike any other. But it's, it's tough to say they're not as deep when... You're missing two really big pieces in Pat Connaughton, or excuse me, in Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. Now, you can speak to quality depth and what you can realistically rely on and playoff depth. Those are different conversations, but this is still a deep team. Uh, Bucks need to get it together. Terrible late game play, losing to a bad Bulls team. So we learned <laughs> very inconsistent, and I would agree with that. Uh, Bucks 0-2 against the slumping Chicago team they should manhandle. So again, more of the inconsistencies. That's what we've learned so far from this team. They have been maddenly inconsistent. And I guess I'm curious of these next 17 games now that take you all the way through the end of January. Let's say the Bucks go 14-3. Does that change things for you? Or does it just become yeah, but? Yeah, but 9 and 0 against bad teams to start the season, 13 and 12 since, and then 14 and 3 or 13 and 4, whatever they do. Let's say they beat up on teams on the schedule. Minnesota, two with Washington. Charlotte is on there. Two with Miami are on there. You got to pair with Toronto, who on paper are scary, in reality they've been pretty bad. Detroit a couple with the Hornets, three with Miami between now and the All-Star break. The New York Knicks, the Atlanta Hawks, who again, play the Bucs tough, but have been a bad team. We've got a lot of those opponents on this schedule. And the next 17 games that take you through the end of January, only three are against teams that are in the top six in each of their conferences. 
So it's the exact opposite of what you just went through for 10 games. Will you learn anything if the Bucs beat up on those teams? Will you just think, well, the Bucs only beat bad teams? 855-616-1620, the number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. We'll take another break here. A couple of calls trickling in. We'll get to those. What have you learned about this team on this five-game road trip? And it seems like the trend we're seeing is you got a lack of faith in this team and a lot of calls for trades. We'll get to that conversation after this on Bucks Talk. The Hardwood Homilies continue after this. This is Bucks Talk. 119-113, final in Chicago, an ugly loss for the Bucks, who have now dropped four straight games. Cannot return home fast enough as they welcome the Minnesota Timberwolves on Friday night. We referenced it earlier in the show, but the moment where everything changed. Tonight's turning point of the game. The moment it all turned around for better or worse. This is the turning point of the game. Well, we use upbeat music for this, but uh, there's nothing upbeat about what we saw here. Is um, Final five minutes here, right around the five-minute mark. We thought Giannis was going to have another and one. It would have potentially pushed the Bucks' lead to a dozen. Instead, it was um, challenged by Billy Donovan and ruled the charge. Not to be uh, all sour grapes here, but it... It's starting to become like the catch rule in the NFL. I, I just, I, I can't tell you what's a charge anymore and what isn't. This is the third or fourth time this season that it seemed rather obvious the defender was not completely stationary. DeMar was kind of shifting his body a little bit. But nonetheless, you still got to take care of business. The Bulls did, the Bucks did not. And from that point forward, the Bulls outscored the Bucks 31-14. to and win this game in overtime, 119-113, the final score. Fourth straight loss for the Bucks, a 1-4 and four road trip. And now third place in the Eastern Conference. So what have you learned about your Milwaukee Bucks after this ugly five-game road trip? 855-616-1620, number to join us tonight on Bucks Talk. Let's head back to the phone lines and uh, talk with our old pal James on the south side. What's going on, James? Well, you know, um, I would listen to you uh, since you got on uh, tonight and everything else, and I agree that uh, we've uh, gone down this road in the last two years uh, several times and everything else. But, uh, okay, you you said, well, if we try to pick up somebody, we get a guy that can shoot, but he can't play defense. And then we, the opposite way around, we get a guy that can play defense but can't shoot. So who's... Who, uh, who, without giving up the whole farm or part of the farm on this team here, can we get? Uh, can we steal away from one of these other teams or uh, or that's out there that's uh, not playing right now that uh, can help the Bucks uh, ignite this team uh, to help Giannis? I mean, if Chris is going to be on down, uh, you know, and if uh, Holiday's going to be out too a little bit here and there, uh, who can we get to really ignite this team so that we can? Uh, are we going to wait for half the half the season? Or are we going to wait all the way till till the after the All Star, which is two thirds of the season gone? I don't know. I mean, uh, there's got to be something that can ignite us and uh, and not pay. Like I say, not put out the whole farm here to uh, get something that that's going to be comparable for our team and be able to 
make things happen here. We need somebody that we need an igniter here, but I don't know who, who we can really get uh, that we would have, you know, that's going to be fit in our team here. Well, uh, what do you think? Yeah, thanks for the call, James. Uh, it's funny that he, he, you kept landing on ignite. Like G League Ignite? Like G League Ignite. It seems like that is the most logical to ignite the Bucks is the G League Ignite alumnus Marjan Bochamp. We talked about this on Bucks Weekly last night. If you missed the conversation, look, I don't know realistically what to expect at the trade deadline and in this trade market overall. Bucks don't have a whole lot of assets. It's basically second round picks you can offer. We've seen John Horst move mountains. With those second-round picks in the past, four second-rounders got you Nico Miritich. You flipped a second-rounder, you magically turned it into a first-rounder, used that and bad contracts to acquire P.J. Tucker. John Horst has been a guy that's not afraid to make that move, and it's been Dealer John that has kind of been lurking in the shadows, finding these moves that you don't think are possible for the Bucks. right? I'm very curious to see what the value of second-round picks is this year, though, because it seems like that has diminished year after year after year. And the other thing is, look, who knows? There's no name out there to say, man, the Bucks really need this guy. We don't know who's available yet. We can, we can joke about what well, the, the Bulls should blow things up. Everybody's in love with the Raptors and the, and the players. They have, the Bucks don't have the assets to bring in anybody that's in Toronto. You don't have the assets for Fred Van Vliet if he's available you certainly don't have it for OG Ananobi if he's available or Pascal Siakam. They don't have the assets for the, that team. The Wizards, right? We're not even going to entertain the ridiculous he who shall not be named for the second best player on this team trade. It's going to be a secondary guy. Any type of move that the Bucks make. But here's the other thing to keep in mind. We just told you one through five is separated by four games. The rest of the playoff picture, six, the final spot in the actual playoffs, six through 12, outside looking in, that's separated by three and a half games. It's five and a half separating six through 13. It's really the Hornets and the Pistons are two teams you know are not trying to make the playoffs. The Wizards probably should not try to make the playoffs, and who knows? They may trend towards that in the second half of the season. But you have a lot of teams that are not trying to lose right now, despite the fact that you may have a generational talent entering the league next year in Victor Wembenyama. The Rockets are already way down there. The Spurs are way down there. You're going to have about five or six teams that are really, really bad trying to tank here. But that leaves you... With what, 25 teams, 24 teams, anywhere from 22 to 25 teams that are legitimately trying to make the playoffs. That means there's less incentive to move guys. So realistically, you can't really say what's going to be available. We're looking for Ignite. I think the best case scenario for the Bucks: just put Marjan Bochamp on the floor more and see what he does. 855-616-1620, the number to get in touch with us on Bucks Talk. We will take a look at the sub of the game after this. You're listening to Bucks Talk. One of the best listening to Bucks Talk. 119-113. It's the Bulls. 2-0 now against the Bucks. 15-point lead with about eight minutes left. 
double-digit lead with about five minutes left. And uh, a, a, a really, really bad late turnover. Despite uh, seemingly cleaning that up, it's a, a bad inbounds pass from Giannis, stolen by DeMar DeRozan, leading to a fast-break basket. The Bulls tying the game, forcing overtime, and coming back from a 4 nothing deficit in overtime. Buck scoring the first four points of overtime to uh, win this game is the story of this an ugly loss from the Bucks and twenty percent on their three point attempts. They made as many threes as the Bulls. They took half as many threes. Did the Bulls thirty nine percent from Chicago, twenty percent from the Bucks. That's the story. That and another incredible performance from Giannis forty five twenty two and seven. We'll get to that again in just a moment, but. Really two guys that stood out in this game. Giannis and his performance. And one player from the second unit, our sub of the game. The bench mob was hungry. And someone ate. Who was it? Tonight's sub of the game is... The sub of the game is Bobby Portis. Three of seven on his threes. 20 points, 11 rebounds. Another double-double in 28 minutes against his former team. Bobby Portis, really the only guy that had it going on the second unit. Bucks bench... Scored 36 points. 20 of them came from Bobby. And uh, nine three-pointers in this game. Three from Bobby Portis. Three from Grayson Allen, but he took twice as many threes as Bobby. Bobby Portis and Giannis were really the offensive stories of this game. And Bobby Portis is tonight's sub of the game. Not a whole lot more to say about an ugly loss. A bad loss, if we are being frank. This is a very bad loss. And it's a team that has not looked good for a couple of weeks now. They head home. That's the good news. The schedule gets much easier. That's the even better news. But you thought that started tonight. We'll preview what's up next for the Bucks. a three-game homestand. It starts with the Timberwolves on Friday night. We'll preview that matchup and take one final look at a big stat line from Giannis as we wrap things up after this on Bucks Talk. This is Bucks Talk. Fourth. You're listening to Bucks Talk. Well, this result really ruined a incredible night from Giannis. 45 points. 45 points, 22 rebounds, 7 assists. It is the second time in his career he's had 40 or more points, 20 or more rebounds, and 5 or more assists. Second time. He is the only active player with multiple 40, 20, and 5 stat lines. Only 10 players in league history have done that multiple times. Giannis is one of those 10, and none of them are active right now. You take it a step further and you look at the 45. 48 times in NBA history, we've seen a stat line of 45 or more points, 20 or more rebounds, and 5 or more assists. 48 times. 45 of those 48 instances occurred between 1956 and 1976. The 46th was done by Chris Weber 21 years ago, going on 22 years ago, January 5th, 2001, when Chris Weber had a big stat line. 
in a loss, coincidentally, against the Indiana Pacers. And then Luka Doncic. So you had 45 of these 48 games occur from 1956 to 1976. One of these 48 games came 21 years ago, almost to the day. And then two have come on consecutive nights. Last night and tonight from Luka Doncic and Giannis. So this was another incredible performance from Giannis. But as we've seen, it's kind of been the underlying theme of this season. We've talked about injuries. We've talked about disappointment. We've talked about, man, when are the Bucs going to look like the Bucs? All of those conversations that we've had the last 60 minutes on this show, the last couple of weeks, the last week plus on this road trip. The bigger story is Giannis has been incredible, and you haven't had that number two alongside him. You've had Brooke Lopez really good. You've had Drew Holiday chip in some big games. You've had Bobby Portis with some big games. You had the defense incredible for the first nine games of the season, but there hasn't been that Chris Middleton. Giannis just needs some help. We had that conversation weeks ago. He needs help, and I think that's what you saw tonight. Towards the end of the game, there was just nobody he could trust to knock down a shot. So Giannis put it all on himself. 17-39, to that stands out. That's what his field goal attempts were. 0 of 8 down the stretch. Again, probably out of gas and realizing when I look at 9 of 44 on threes and 41 of 110 on field goals for the game, I'm the only one scoring. I need to take this on myself. So hopefully you get Chris Middleton back as you begin this homestand. Drew Holiday as well. You just got to get healthy and to get Giannis some help. But you got to snap this funk and start to win some games. And that's why it's big that this schedule gets much easier and you start to play some more home games. Talk to you once again Friday night as the Bucks return home to take on the Minnesota Timberwolves. My thanks to Tommy Wirtz for uh, producing the show here. Max Meyerson as well. Talk to you Friday night with more Bucks talk. Hi, I'm Emmitt Smith, Pro Football Hall of Famer and three-time champion. Trust me, I know about joint pain. Pro Football's all-time leading rusher Emmitt Smith talks about chronic joint pain and excited. 